Okay, so welcome to this episode. I have joining me today, Tiara from the Bodybuilding Dietitians and Amanda from Estro Physiques, both of whom are openly accredited members. So they've at least done a postgraduate diploma or bachelor's in Tiara's case, she's got a master's in dietetics. I wanted to focus solely on that side of things, right? Females who practice evidence-informed practice that are recognized in the industry to do this. Um, and within Australia, you two are the only two that come to mind at this point in time. We're going to go through your journeys, what it's like, been like uh, to get to where you are now, what you've done academically, experientially, professionally, and then also look at prior to you doing this, who you were looking to and who you look to, like who you were looking to initially, and then who you look to in the industry still in this space, because it is a very, I guess, a small aspect of the industry at this point in time. Mm. So who wants to go first? And do you remember what you said the last time? (laughs) I'm happy to kick it off if you'd like. Okay, cool. Yeah, great. So my name is Tiara Nelson. I am a coach and athlete and dietitian and nutrition exercise scientist here from Australia. And I am one of the bodybuilding dietitians. I own a uh, physique company with my partner, Jack Radford Smith. So yeah, uh, going through university, I got my bachelor degree in nutrition exercise science, and then branched on to a master's of dietetics. And throughout my entire childhood, I've just always known that I've always been very drawn to athleticism and particularly the sports nutrition side of things. I've always been very intrigued by how the food that we eat can impact our performance and also our health and our mental health as well. So there was no better avenue to really go down than at new at university than a nutrition science degree. And throughout university, I was very fortunate to actually land myself a role working at the University of Queensland in their UQ sports. So I studied a PT certificate, got my cert three and four on top of my uh, nutrition science degree back in second year. And I was able to actually start working as a personal trainer at the gym, which was just a fantastic learning experience for me. But what was really neat as well is that during those hours on the gym floor, people would book in for fitness consultations initially, but then people started to catch on that I knew a thing or two about nutrition, which was excellent. So rather than starting to get booked out for fitness consultations, I actually started finding myself getting booked out for nutrition and dietetic consultations by all of the members, which was just fantastic. So I really got to practice all of those skills that I was learning throughout university and just starting to work with clients from the get-go, you know, not really getting paid anything. I was getting paid like what, $27 an hour, like good luck finding a dietitian now to (laughs) pay for a consultation for a $27, you know, hour long consultation. Uh, But throughout that time, you know, obviously always trying to apply everything that I was learning at university to myself. And I was training a lot at the gym, working out almost every single day. And it was just a very natural progression for me to then go down that bodybuilding route and start getting myself involved in physique sport. And I just I absolutely fell in love with it, really uh, had a passion for it. And then that inspired Jack and I to both follow our passion. And rather than going down a clinical route with dietetics, kind of branch out and do our own thing and uh, really follow along with, you know, realizing there's a huge gap in the market here for bodybuilding dietitians. So why don't we fill that gap? And that's essentially what we've aimed to pursue with TBD. That's awesome. And just on that, um, you were saying, and we've had this conversation a few times before we actually had it in the last one, but I just want to expand upon the, you were able to, the things that you were learning in your subjects, like in your undergrad, you were able to apply it in a client setting. How, how different is it? The, like the learning side of things and the theoretical knowledge that you're learning in class, how different is that to practice? Because I think people listening to this will think, oh, wow, I'm going to go and I'm going to go follow in Tiara and Jack's footsteps, right? I want, I want to be a bodybuilding dietitian. Mm-hmm. And they might think then as long as they do these undergrads, it's covered. But as we've discussed many times before, you're getting a lot of this theory in very much like a textbook setting. Yeah. And then you're having to go away and think about, oh, what scenarios, you know, in a human being, in, in, in a client, 
is this going to work in? And then mm-hmm. to then add an, another layer, you're not being taught how to apply this to a physique setting either. Oh, absolutely. So, I'm telling you straight up, university is not going to teach you how to be <laughs> a bodybuilding dietitian. Nothing is ever going to trump experience. And that's why one, you can teach knowledge, but you can't teach passion. You know, if you really want to pursue something, you have to be solely passionate about it. And you kind of have to treat yourself as your own little guinea pig too. But that's why if you're going to pursue that sort of route, everything that you are learning, try your absolute best to apply it to yourself. So if you're going undergoing a degree, when you're in the gym, try out those exercise regimes, apply everything you're learning about sports nutrition to yourself. And just nothing is ever going to trump that experience of trial and error and actually being able to apply it to yourself. But there is absolutely no denying that all of those baseline fundamental things that you learn throughout university, through anatomy, through physiology, through biochemistry, you need those underlying principles and all of that knowledge to be able to understand concepts and to be able to apply those to your clients. Yeah, definitely. I think we tend to get people into, you know, camps where it's like mm. all knowledge or all experience. And it's like, if you're going to be openly accredited in practicing physique, or you want to be a bodybuilding dietitian, you need a shit ton of both. And yeah. there's no other way of explaining it. Like for me, it was, it probably like, it probably took me eight, nine years after I was initially introduced to biochemistry and exercise metabolism and mm-hmm. applied physiology. It took me about eight, nine years until I was intro- from when I was introduced to those concepts until I could actually conceptually understand it in a client setting. Yeah, without a doubt, because people throw around these terms like, oh, I'm insulin resistant, you know, and what does that actually mean on a biochemical level? Like what is actually happening in your pancreas? What's actually happening with your glute four receptors? Like you need to understand those concepts to then work with a client to one go, okay, wait, are you actually insulin resistant? And Hmm. if you are, how can we tackle this? Yeah. Yeah. It's not as simple as like your ab skin fold is twice the thickness of your sucreiliac. And so therefore you're insulin resistant or your yeah, skin. So better not have any high well. GI carbs in your diet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that's something that with the podcast and with these episodes, I really want to help people, I guess, or I really want to get across the listeners is both are equally important depending on how far you want to go and how much you want to specialize. Mm. You need to, like you're saying, Tiara, like you have to have that passion. Because if you don't, you're not going to stay the course because it's a long course. It's a long ass course. Mm, And as it should be. Yeah, exactly. So Amanda, do you want to give us the uh, cliff notes? Because you've got a, you've got an interesting academic and professional history up until this point. Yeah. So mine's pretty much, I guess the opposite, which is really cool that we've yeah, basically come from completely different sides and we've sort of found ourselves now sort of doing the same thing. So Mm. myself growing up, I wanted to be athletic, Um, but I had a lot of uh, medical conditions and joint issues. So I spent a lot of my teen years doing rehab, which is what sort of sparked my interest in the health and fitness field as I had such a big exposure to having, you know, surgeries, working with physios where I thought this is really cool. Um, This is sort of a space that interests me. So when I finished school, I started studying medicine initially. Um, And then I ended up I had, I don't know, having like, I guess a quarter life crisis and I swapped from medicine and I ended up doing law and then I did business. And then I came all the way back around and decided that, you know, the fitness space was where my passions were. So I did my PT certificate initially, which is where most trainers start. But then during that time, I started competing um, as a bodybuilder. So rather than having sort of the knowledge And then transitioning into the experience, I had the experience and then realized I needed the knowledge. Um, So I've worked with a lot of different coaches myself, some good and some not so good. And it was the not so good ones for me where I was like, wow, like this is really bad practice, but this is happening so much. And look, although there is a degree... um, of onus, I feel on the individual to say like, that's not safe and to not just blindly follow coaches advice. Mm. It still happens. There is a lot of trust where clients trust that, okay, well, my coach has prepped other people or they've competed before. So they must know what they're talking about. This must just be what it takes. So I'm just going to do it. Um, Which is, 
really dangerous, to be honest, when there are so little actually qualified and accredited comp prep coaches out there giving all sorts of advice. So I decided that was the area that I enjoyed and wanted to go into. So made that call to do my nutrition and then go on to do my post-grad with the Institute of Performance Nutrition in the UK um, because I knew that for me to prep people, I needed to have that behind me. And, you know, during that journey, and especially when I was competing, the amount of inquiries I would get, people asking me to prep them because they're like, oh, you looked really good on stage. Will you prep me? And I was like, no, sorry. Like, I don't know enough to prep you and it wouldn't be doing either of us that'd be doing both of us a disservice me half-assing it or you know you see a lot of people just oh well I'll just give you the program I did like it doesn't work like that so that was sort of my journey I suppose so I started with the experience then did the knowledge and now obviously I have astrophysics which we do specialize with females but we have actually got a couple of male clients at the moment which is cool so yeah. So that's sort of been, yeah, our journey as to how I've sort of gotten here now. Yeah. So Amanda's undersold herself as well. It's a great quality. Um, she's very humble, but so Amanda, how many degrees and post-grad qualifications do you have? Um, so I, I've got a, I've got a bachelor of law. I've got a bachelor of business. I've done my post-grad, um, in legal practice. And then I've done my post-grad in performance nutrition. <laughs> That is incredible. So, Look, I like learning and I think, you know, people that want to work in the health and fitness industry, having a hunger to learn is a really good quality because there is always new things coming out. It's not, I've learned it once. I don't need to upskill ever again. Mm. Um, Yeah. So I think, yeah, if you, if you enjoy learning and it is an area that interests you, then like this can actually be a really good field to get into. Definitely. I would say like sports nutrition's formerly about 20 years old in terms of like when we were consistently getting funding for ongoing research and collectively reviewing the research and looking at things in a more, I guess, collective peer reviewed capacity. Um, And I would say physique, the physique side of it's probably 13 to 15 years old. Like, like since we've started to do things at least a little bit more at an annual frequency with it, in terms of like new research, like annual reviews, position statements around that stuff. But it's still very, it's a very, very small part of sports and performance nutrition. And people, I think people underestimate how much we don't know in that side of things yet. And so you you both being, I guess, at, at the higher levels and being exposed to it now, you can really appreciate that. But I guess being the head of the body, and dealing with members and Amanda, you see a bit of this now as well. Yeah. People very much have this resounding, when they've come through at a very entry level um, capacity, it's that whole Dunning-Kruger side of things where, mm. and Dunning-Kruger effect where they think that like, oh, I understand calories, macros. I understand protein and resistance training and put them in a deficit and energy balance. That's all I need to know for prep. And it's like, yeah, and they're like fundamental principles, but there's a lot we don't know. <laughs> and well- there's... Yeah, literally. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, anyone can starve someone and make them do a heap of cardio and cut their food and put them on stage with a lower body fat percent. Like that's not rocket science, but look, that's not going to be good for the athlete's health. That's not going to get them in their best condition for stage by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's sort of starting to come out a little bit more now. I think there's a lot more awareness being shown in this area and a lot of the like old school bro science kind of approach to prep there's a light being shone now like yes like that is how it used to be done but now there's all of these other more effective ways of doing it that actually are evidence-based yeah absolutely and if you want to pursue this as your career we have to realize that this is such a close group niche that Mm everyone speaks to one another. And if you want to be doing this, hopefully if you are actually going to pursue like, you know, a degree with sports nutrition, Australia, or go down a nutrition and dietetics route and want to actually be an evidence-based comp prep coach, you want to be doing this for the next 10, 20, heck, maybe 30 years. You need to have respect for your career as well. And you want to have a good reputation because Mm. yeah, you might prep one or two clients and sure they get shredded and they get up on stage and win a, a gold trophy, but boy, if, if you can't back that up with like health between the, the time off stage, 
other people are going to find out and you won't have a very good reputation in this space, mm. which can really harm your career. Mm. And it's and when Tiara says health as well, it's like, yeah, we're talking about like physical health, but also mental health. Like if you're that neurotic person in your off season, meticulously counting macros and you can't enjoy a social occasion and be present, mm-hmm. people are judging you or like, if that's your client, people are judging you as that coach with that client as well. And they're like thinking, shit, I don't want to be with that person. You know, if someone, if, if Tiara mm-hmm. and Jack are working with someone or Amanda's working with someone and that client's what taken a couple of first places at state shows, mm-hmm. but then they're a really good present member of their family. They do well with their job and they're kicking all these other life goals. Mm-hmm. People are going to be like, Oh wow. That's the coach that I want to go work with because you know, like I align and, and I align with those values and, and I align with how that person's approaching that stuff. So I think that's sort of an often overlooked area as well. So um, just quickly, so we can close this sort of section off Tiara, approximately yeah. how much, if someone wants to um, go down the exercise and nutrition science undergrad, masters in dietetics, mm-hmm. total time, total um, financial investment into that. Wow. Okay. So the nutrition und- so the nutrition and exercise science degree, the bachelor degree itself is a three-year degree full-time. And then the master's degree in dietetics, that is a year and a half full-time. And the bachelor degree, back when I did it, you were looking at around $24,000 for the entire year. And that's if you're an Australian citizen, the master's degree, boy, that thing, that thing was pretty expensive. So that thing was about $42,000 we're at just a year and a half of the master's degree. So you're looking at their 42 plus 24. So yeah, most, most undergrads are about 35 minimum now as well. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah, sort of so looking at around. I was going to say, now. that's actually a really cheap undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. And compared to, yeah, if you like, like Amanda, if you do business and law, so it definitely adds up financially, but thank gosh for hex. Oh my God, uh, right. But definitely it's, it's, it is a huge financial investment, but of course, in saying that, if you are responsible with your money and you land yourself a good job, you can obviously have a great return on investment because mm. you can start to pay off that hex debt. But yeah, it's it's definitely not it's definitely not some sort of cheap course. And also, like you pay for what you get. So if you're trying to just go out there and just get certificates and you're just Googling cheapest PT course on the internet and you find something for 50 bucks and you can do it in a weekend. Sure, you get a piece of paper, but boy, you don't get much knowledge behind that piece of paper. And also this industry is so saturated now that I'm almost, I almost feel like people need to start having these high level degrees to actually, you know, really put themselves out there as, as a reputable coach and to start getting more clients. People are hopefully no longer going to those people who, who have only done like a weekend course. Mm. Hopefully. The key is though that you use the word investment. Mm. I totally agree. Like education is an investment. It's an investment in your development, in your career. And I think people need to sort of focus and look at it more like that rather than a cost. Like it's you investing in yourself. Like mm. it's always money well spent. Mm. And so um, look on the other end, if we're talking like minimum viable way to get there and like be recognized, you're looking at about four grand for the cert. You're looking at about seven to nine yeah, grand I, was say, I think it was about dip. six yeah. seven ish yeah for the post grad mm-hmm. and then you're looking at another four so you're looking at about 15 grand if you want to go through that pathway you can go through any so like tiara said like hey if you want to do through go through the private programs that we run in conjunction with some private institutes mm-hmm. to gain that open accreditation you're welcome to do that you're welcome to go through the uni pathways as well like whether we're, we're the professional body first and foremost so we don't really care like who you study with, as long as you do the study and it's legitimate study. I think that's a big misconception that people have. They're like, oh, Sports Nutrition Australia, the course. Whereas it's like, no, 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 we're like, we're the body. The body is a part of the association again, which is body first. Um, and we're just looking for people to have been like competently met subject um, requirements, right? So we're talking nutrition physiology, we're talking exercise physiology, and then applied performance nutrition and, and, and biochemistry components. And a lot of these, weekend workshops and stuff that you're referring to tiara that they just don't go into that and look part of it is because it's not sexy it's not contemporarily relevant and being promoted at the time it's not like gut health was um you know a while ago and probably like what we see with um 
you know, female menstrual cycle periodization sort of at the moment that's being really sort of like heavily promoted. So mm. it's not, it's not really something, these subjects, they have great utility and we know how important they are, but they're sort of like your bread and butter. And yeah. So, they shouldn't be your big rocks, but yeah. absolutely. If you want to expanding your knowledge for sure, if you want to just go off and learn about new topics, of course, be my guest, but you shouldn't always fall back on, Oh, I did a course last Saturday. So now I'm certified. <laughs> exactly. So like, we don't really care with that, but they're sort of it. That's it. That's your range, right? You're sort of looking at 15 grand and four years. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at like, or like three and a half to four years, including your practical stuff with us. If you go through us and our affiliates, or if you're going through uni, you're looking at anywhere from like four to five years and about $80,000 from there. So mm-hmm. like realistically similar amount of time, different budget. And like, we don't have a preference for where you go. Just do the subjects with that. So that's awesome. I want to sort of move just into. Before you move away from that, Alex, I think okay. another reason why I did what I did is obviously having the law background, if you don't have the qualifications, you aren't actually acting in within your scope that yeah. you're insured for, which is such a big one. And personally, I do not like leaving myself legally liable for doing things outside of my scope, which is another mm. reason why I said, look, I'm not going to actually do that because I'm not qualified or insured to do that. So if something goes wrong, I'm not covered. And it actually explodes my brain, the amount of coaches out there that are completely leaving themselves open for lawsuits because they're not actually insured for what they're doing. Yeah, yeah it blows my mind. Like, I, like I'm a big believer in sort of in, in, in 2022, I'm going to put um, a bit more of an emphasis on getting some content out to really help put this scope mm. conversation um, and, and make it a little bit more relevant for people. So yeah. well, like that article that you and I both shared yeah. or, and I'm like, yes, like finally things are coming out that shedding light on, because I think there's a big portion of the public that think PTs are allowed to give out nutrition advice, yeah, yeah. which is like an issue in itself. So, yeah. so that more- comes back to why you were talking about like, uh, like clients, they need to take, a bit of responsibility as well, but you have to increase their awareness. So Mm. if someone's signing up for a personal trainer, if someone's hiring a comp prep coach, like we need to make it the norm that they feel comfortable asking, Hey, what actually are your certifications or Hey, what body are you registered with? Yeah. Like they need to know to actually ask those questions because a lot of people, it's not their fault. They genuinely just don't know. They, they just see Instagram as a resume because they've got some really great bodies up on their Instagram profile. It's the best business card, right? Yeah. And like when I do have inquiries and obviously like after I've sort of chatted with them, I encourage people like, okay, go have a look around, talk to some coaches, see who you think's a good fit, but Mm. make sure that they are actually have the qualifications to back up their, you know, highlight reel of their clients. And this is like, I give them the link, obviously, for like the SNA registry, like this is how you can look up if someone is qualified or not, regardless of them just writing it on their Instagram, because there are a lot of people that say that they are something when they are not. Yeah. Um, So this is a resource where you can actually look that up, like that exists, you can check and Mm. yeah. So the um, thing that Amanda was referring to, that we were sharing yesterday was a story of a guy who was like, a, I get, I, look, I don't like, I'm assuming he's a certified personal trainer. Um, he yeah. claimed to be a dietitian's association of Australia member. He claimed to be a member of ours. He's neither. Um, and he um, was investigated by the health complaints commission, which is like the um, uh, ombudsman in his state. So, you know, we always like w- within the association, we say, Hey, any, any, any person who claims to be a member of ours and they're not, and they're not registered, not insured. We notify it. Um, the relevant state health ombudsman. So that way they know we're not affiliated because we don't, we and our members, we don't, we don't want ourselves or our members to be vicariously liable or affected if that person does something negligent. Um, and anyway, the healthcare health complaints commission um, intervened, suspended him, said, you can't call yourself a dietitian, refer to yourself in these things anymore. Um, Short term. And I think another investigation happened that's banned him for life. And a lot of people sort of operate on the assumption where it's like, I can, I'll self-appoint this title and I'll be fine. And it's like, the reality is like for the majority, that's the case, but you know, we're probably going to see an example of one person per year now, just within Australia, um, you know, 
where they're getting caught out, right? And and these things are happening. So they had a bigger investigation with him. He's now banned for life for doing anything nutrition. If this guy does anything like that, he's facing criminal charges around fraud, um, you know, possible jail time, all fraud, negligence, um, you know, willfully, willfully like endangering people's health, um, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And 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 this is like you know this is the one in 10,000 end scale thing that people aren't aware of. And it's like, all it takes is any of those clients to decide, Hey, that, that he's messed up and he's messed up with you to decide, Hey, I'm going to sue you. And he's got no insurance to cover him for that as well. Yeah. And a big sort of thing for me with the 2022 push is really sort of making this contextually relevant for people. And so my position is that I believe I'm biased hundred percent when I say this, but I believe the career of a sports and performance nutritionist and someone in our industry where even though Tiara is a bodybuilding dietitian, where we're not working clinically, I think my bias is that is a really superior model for the mean mm. professionals. So the, the mean professionals I'm referring to are our openly accredited professionals and members. I think that any openly accredited member, our mean would do better in a private practice setting than the majority of dietitians. I couldn't agree more. Than the majority of PTs, right? And it's because like, we don't have to keep soap notes. We don't like, we can, we're covered for check-ins. We've got all this stuff. It's a very good model. We can work with more people than a PT. We can check in with people online and have that capacity to do so. We can work with people um, with their nutrition and their exercise, but, Mm. but we're not hamstrung by things like soap notes and treating these conditions. And so I think it's an awesome hybrid and so with that being said, I, I don't think it's unachievable that these professionals can go out and, you know, from year three through to say 13 in that 10 year period, go out, purchase a property, get in a really good position where mm. they've paid a majority of it off or they've paid it off outright. Like when I say purchase a property, I'm not including Sydney because that market's just ridiculous in Australia, but majority of the other cities, you, you can do this, right? I'm seeing this with, with some of the members and it's great, but there's an under appreciation and an underestimation um of what that means and if you're doing this stuff it's like well if you're working at this point you're working so hard you don't want you you don't want your property that you've worked 10 years for to be compromised because you're not covered and that's literally like like you lose everything yeah yeah Uh and so like that's a belief of mine and a big value is like the the average member of our openly accredited members should be able to achieve this within this time frame and i don't want to see that hard work go to waste so Uh I'll be putting out some stuff to, you know, help with that, but th- that's sort of a big belief. And I think people get so caught up in the short term and they're looking for quick wins in the short term that they're not considering the mid to long-term effects of things. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like I put up that post yesterday and I said, like, you know, we, we have some members who will have a problem with a three-year provisional period before they've got to go study more. And I'm like, well, sorry, like <laughs> it is what it is. Like, and the thing is like, they're not considering the fact that it's like, you guys are going to be going up in business for prospective clients against our openly accredited members who have done the work, who have done the study and who are completely fine with that. Mm. Who do you think a client's going to want to go with? They're going to want to go with the person that's put more time into study, all that kind of stuff, because Instagram stories, pictures, your layout and and tiles and reels is only going to get you so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you definitely have to continue to always upskill and, you know, you're always going to get a return on investment if you invest in yourself mm. and investing in a degree with sports nutrition, Australian and the certification and getting insured. It's a very small investment for what you would get a return on if you are pursuing this as your career. But unless you want to have a very mediocre career that doesn't require any qualifications and you're just working at a fast food joint for the rest of your life, you're going to have to do this in some capacity or another. Mm. If you want to go out and you want to study business, if you want to become a lawyer, if you want to do anything like that requires a tertiary level education. Yeah. It's going to, you have to invest this and it's just going to take that sacrifice, but yeah, you're always going to get a return on it. Mm. I think people need to realize that a qualification doesn't give a title. Like a a law degree doesn't make you a lawyer. It makes you a person with a law degree. You know, just because you've done the SNA qualifications, you're not a sports nutritionist if you're not actually registered and accredited. accredited. Mm. Um, same as doctors, like you can have a medical degree, it doesn't make you a doctor. Mm. So yeah. same with di- same as a dietitian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you can have the bit of paper, but you don't actually have the title if you haven't taken those extra steps. And most of those extra steps mean that you're accountable to a body. 
And that's mm. what keeps industry standard. And it's, yeah, a bit anyway, passionate about that one. Yeah, but. yeah big time, big time. <laughs> Amanda's seen a bit, of, a, bit behind, a bit of behind the veil at the association. Oh, man. <laughs> so transitioning to early influencers, who are some of the, other than you girls, right? So mm. this episode, I hope listeners appreciate how much I believe in these two because, and I'm going to get a highlight of this so I can put it on social media so they can understand, but you are the only two openly accredited female physique coaches who have a specific female physique prepping insurance policy and registration to acknowledge it in Australia. We definitely got to give you airtime. I appreciate it so much so that I'm missing Steph Curry break the three point record right now. And anyone that knows me knows how obsessed I am with basketball. Can't even have it on right now because I've got to be fully plugged <laughs> into this. So he's going to break the all-time three-point record probably in about 15 minutes. There's no way that I'm going to watch that. I am all about the girls here. But Appreciate it, Alex. <laughs> before, before you were openly accredited and looking, obviously there, was, like, there wasn't really anyone in Australia. Mm. You were looking probably overseas, I'm assuming. Who are you looking to? Who, and who are some of the figures that you still look to in this space? Yeah. So I think, like we said at the very beginning of the podcast, unfortunately, females in this space preaching evidence-based bodybuilding, it's, it's very rare. Mm -hmm. And I guess when I first got onto Instagram back in like 2015 and started following health and fitness influencers, Instagram was very different back then, but I, I wasn't actually following women to seek out nutrition advice because at that time I was studying a university degree. I realized I was already learning from the top dogs. So I wasn't necessarily seeking out influencers for their nutritional advice, but I was more looking to women for who they were as athletes. I really admired their mindset and just learning more about the sport in general and where this sport can take you if you, if you really fall, follow through with it with passion. But I guess some of the top influencers I was looking at like years ago would have been people like Hattie Boydell, Chantel Duncan, I even follow a woman called like Maddie Cake. She's an Olympic weightlifter. But as I was learning all of these things through, uh, so as I was learning all of these things at university, of course, when you are a health and fitness influencer online, you are going to be sharing what you're eating. And I tried to see if those two linked up. And unfortunately, I just found that there were so many misconceptions, so much misinformation out there and so many gaps in people's knowledge. So if for example, people I would be following, they preach that, you know, I'm starting my comp prep and I'm cutting out all dairy products because dairy causes inflammation in the body. And then mm. I would read this and I'd be like, wait, hold up. I'm learning at uni all of the wonderful health benefits of dairy and how systematic reviews actually show that dairy's anti-inflammatory. This doesn't make much sense, but this person's preaching this to millions of others, particularly females. Or, you know, people are like, I'm cutting out all red meat from my diet because it makes you feel heavy. And then I'm learning about, you know, the female athlete triad and reds and how iron deficiency is so prevalent in female athletes. So I'm like, my gosh, you know, there, there's really a gap in the market here for, for solid information. I guess that's what inspired me to continue along my own personal journey and path to become the woman and the coach and the athlete I am today, because I'm like, there's, there's really a gap here and I want to fill that. So that's what pretty much inspired Jack and I to both start our bodybuilding dietitians podcast with just the intentions to help people set things straight, provide good quality information, bust some myths. And when you do that, starting off with good intentions and just, people just really appreciate it, right? Just actually hearing the truth. It's, it's quite refreshing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess the, the only woman that I can really think of that has like tertiary level qualifications and has really made it in this industry, you've interviewed her before, Alex, Lauren Conlon, and she's over in the US. I believe she lives in Florida, but she's got like a master's degree in exercise science and she's worked with Bill Campbell and everything. So Lauren Conlon's probably the top dog in my eyes. And she's been in this industry for years, of course going up through the ranks with IFBB, earning her IFBB pro card, and now really pursuing her career as a coach. So I've always really looked up to Lauren for who she is as a person, as an athlete, as a coach. And she's, she's so open-minded and she's so honest, you know, and she's always upskilling. Mm, mm. Yeah. Lauren's probably the only one that like, we've had this conversation before and this is how mm. the whole thing started. Anyway, it was like, who are like the women in Australia that we looked to in this? And it was like, 
uh, there's none. And then it was like, oh, wow, it's Amanda and Tiara. We've got to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, Haley um, from Dynamic Body Labs is a dietitian who does it as well. Yes. But she was she's sort of been in and out of the game with like family commitments and stuff as well. So in the last, I would say, three years, it's predominantly been you girls. And then prior to that, it was like it was, like in Australia, it was no one. And then, mm. we've, but we've got some phenomenal female figures. Lauren, especially in the physique sport game, is probably the only mm. one with the experience and um, the like the academic knowledge and background as well. Mm-hmm. And she's carved herself out a phenomenal niche in Korea with her yeah. team and her. Um, and then. Other than that, in the physique side of things, probably not many. And then if we're talking about from the academia and research side of things is Kirstie Elliott-Sale, Louise Burke and stuff. But again, not a lot of that's translating to physique. Mm. Some of it is around the energy availability. But again, we've got to take their research in those areas and then apply it in in physique settings. Mm -hmm. Because again, we just don't have a lot of this research in physique athletes. Yeah. And how, how do you apply, you know, research on ketogenic diets from race walkers to yeah. someone standing up on stage at 8% body fat? Yeah, that's it. Like they're, they're both extremely lean individuals mm. that put their body under a lot of stress, but Hey, there's probably some, some aspects and principles and elements that correlate. And there's probably others that don't, right? Because yeah. the bioenergetic demands are completely different. Mm-hmm. So Amanda, is there anyone that you specifically I not look not for that. I obviously used to when I first got on Instagram was back when I was like 19. So that's like a fair few years ago now. And it was like the typical like hashtag Fitspo. And I was like following all these people with like their big supplement stacks. And like, (laughs) yeah, it was that was sort of my introduction. And, you know, somebody that, you know, I have suffered from disordered eating through my teen years and early 20s, where I feel like the most posted. So this is Callie, <laughs> like I should introduce her. So she's our other little co-host today. Um, you know, the meme going around, like nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. So like that yeah. was a big culture, I suppose, when I first was following things on Instagram. Um, and I suppose when I sort of got into competing, I started following other athletes that I looked up to um, as competitors. Mm. But as far as evidence-based coaches go definitely no females but even males in that space to be honest especially in Australia was still quite limited Mm. so not not really yeah it was basically like lame if we're talking sort of like eight nine years ago it was basically lame and then Eric was starting to get some exposure yeah through through like the stuff that he was doing with um Oh, what was that YouTuber uh, that sort of like helped him blow up? Oh, uh, Matt Ogus. Matt Ogus, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And so Eric sort of came on the scene maybe a year or two later through the Matt Ogus stuff. Mm-hmm. And then his his um, pyramids that became books, that was actually like a long YouTube lecture mm-hmm. and presentation and video. So they've actually still got that on the 3MJ um, library, on their YouTube library. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I would say back then, probably when you first started competing, Amanda, it was basically Lane and then a year or so later, then there was Eric. But then mm. other than that, there wasn't really much just evidence-based stuff happening in the physique sports industry. Mm. And it was very dominated by supplement companies. And, and you know what my coach then was definitely not evidence-based. I'll say that much. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a lot of, um, it's changed a lot um, for the better, to be honest, like mm. the industry itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people I, I think, of I that, think hey? I think it's important to recognize that like we, people can still look up to these influential people, particularly women in this space. There's a lot of them here in Australia, but just be careful about what they're influencing you to do. So you can look up to someone if they've got qualifications and training. Yeah. You can look up to them and follow their training programs, but if they are not qualified in nutrition, don't be influenced by their nutritional advice. Mm. So they're still like, we don't have to dismiss people just because they don't know a lot about nutrition, but they know a lot about other things. Like Mm. everyone's going to have strengths and weaknesses. But again, I think that's why it comes down to clients when you're seeking out a coach, really do your research and really look into, okay, cool. What can this person actually provide for me in a very healthy and safe manner? And do they really align with what I'm out to achieve? Yeah, exactly. And I think people sort of lose sight of that. Like I have every now and then I'll have a member contact me about like 
oh, this member is sponsored by this brand and they're promoting, you know, it might be like EHP and OxyShred, right? Mm. And I'm like, oh, well, there's caffeine in it, hey? Like, it's not, it's not that bad. And because they're only, like, been in the industry, let's say, the last, like, three to six years, they don't really appreciate just how bad things were and just how far we've come and mm. progressed. Oh, because if that's the worst thing we've got is someone posting about a bloody fat burner. It's actually not too bad, to be well, honest. That's something that really stemmed out to me like years ago when I was learning about A-listed supplements and sports nutrition. So, you know, top two, caffeine and creatine. But yeah. then you see people, they're like, my go-to supplement stack. And, and again, they are so influential to millions of people online and they're promoting L-carnitine and BCAAs. And I'm like, that's not even close to A-listed, man. No. So, Let's like, be real. If fat burners worked, we'd all be shredded. I yeah. Know. Like, if I it was have, that easy. I wouldn't have hopped on the scales and thought, oh, I'm a bit fluffy and my knee's feeling a bit sore. You know, I'll just like, take some fat burner and burn yeah, off yeah, that hop on yeah. and be and like, oh, maybe I'm maybe I'm 9900 kilos. Oh shit, I'm 103, and then not have had to watch my yeah. food for four weeks to get in a good weight range. But some, sometimes it really does baffle me that this information still isn't well known. Like I remember Jack and I a few weeks ago, we made a post on our TBD Instagram account saying like, it's 2021. Why are people still drinking BCAAs? Like it, this should be common knowledge by now. Mm. It's funny, hey. So I think, like, and and this is the thing. Like, do you remember what the marketing was like in the supplement industry ten years ago, girls? Um, uh, jog my memory. <laughs> the thing that comes to my mind is, and this is like, this goes to show how far we've come. Um, was it was dominated by muscle tech. And so everything was University of Florida has proven. And then we've got the before and after photos of these bodybuilders that are clearly enhanced and they <laughs> run, it's like the end of a bulk to then the start of a cut. And it's like University of Florida campus has proven, I don't know, 15 pounds of lean muscle gain while dropping five pounds of fat. You can do it too. And it was like cell tech creatine or nitro tech protein or something like that. Just it basically would be like creatine and dextrose or it's like just a whey protein powder and they're claiming these like ridiculous things. And yeah. I remember when I was like, this is probably going back 14, 15 years ago now. And I was looking at it and I was like, oh, wow, that'd be so good. I, I, it's, it's, that's why they're charging $20 more mm-hmm. for this product. It has to work that well. And unfortunately, it wasn't the case. Maybe it was yeah. even longer. Geez, I'm older than I think. Probably like 15, 16 years ago now. But that was sort of where, where it was sort of peaking was this mm. stuff and that it's funny because that timeline probably um correlates with when uh what's that guy's name jacob wilson dr jacob wilson was doing mm-hmm. stuff and i think that was the university he was affiliated with and so for anyone that's not familiar with him he sort of manipulated some data to make some things look better than what they actually were mm. um in the research and then got found and out that's why it. i think people are still so boggled by this whole bcaa thing because i think that initially started with like one study that came out of one one university with like a small cohort and it showed that people who are drinking bcas versus those who weren't like experienced significant hypertrophy gains yeah but that was compared to water it was compared to water (laughs) yeah increase anyone's protein intake right but like you gotta you gotta control for all these other variables but yeah it's amazing how that is still branching off like you know a decade later Mm -hmm. so Yeah, I think, look, it sucks that it's there, but I think we've come a long way as well. Mm. So like, as long as we're not promoting like BCAAs as a Hail Mary, interestingly enough, a few of the um, specialists, like female athlete dietitians now promoting their use um, for certain um, female athletes, uh, in like different periods of their training, depending on the the stuff. I think it's for like more endurance athletes. They're seeing Mm. some really good stuff for endurance athletes with the female endurance athletes with the BCAAs, at least at an initial level. Mm. So Maybe that's why the flame is not dying out. But if you're a physique athlete, BCAAs have no relevance. <laughs> Just have some whey protein or at least flavored water. Yeah, struggle to drink water or don't like the taste of water and it's essentially flavoring their water, go for it. Mm. Yeah, don't like. expect gains. <laughs> don't expect gains. Or if you know you want to make a low-calorie vodka something or other, it also, I'm not going to lie, has a place there as a mixer. But as far as gym gains, like... Yeah. 
but you know, supplements, supplements are sexy, you know, and they definitely sell and sex sells. I remember actually being contacted quite a number of years ago before I was affiliated with VPA Australia by another supplement company. And they would actually pay me more per post on Instagram if I showed more skin. So they were like, you know, posts that were just in your crop top get paid this much compared to posts that were in a t-shirt holding our supplement. I'm like, like oh, secondhand offended right now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, no thanks. But of of course, if you see someone with a rock and bod holding anything, a lot of people can fall, you know, victim to believing in that, that it's going to work for them. Mm. I think it just comes down to wanting quick fixes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not rocket science. It's literally just science, but some people just don't want to have to put the effort in mm-hmm. to being mindful of what they're eating, to moving their body. They want to just be able to take something and then continue to have these unhealthy lifestyle traits, basically. Like, yeah, pretty much. It's just not that easy, but at the same time, it's very simple. Mm. So if you see that influencer, just remember to think critically. And also when I'm saying think critically, I also mean... Think about like who they're actually influencing because if they share, if they if they show a lot of skin, then their audience, even though they're female, is not female. Yeah, it's mostly you know males. funny about that? Since um since I have gotten pregnant and had Callie, I've been watching the insights on my followers on Instagram change. And I've had a, I think I'm up to 15% now drop in male followers <laughs> and an increase in female, which is it's been something Perfect. like nearly close to 10,000 males have unfollowed me. And I'm like, good, <laughs> see ya. Cause obviously that's not my audience anyway. Yeah. And you know, back before I was posting, you know the photo shoots and the bikinis and everything which to be fair, I'd still do, do now. But yeah, just the, the change I guess in the content I was putting out really did change my audience. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been yeah thoroughly entertaining yeah. to watch those ratios swap around. Yeah, yeah so but don't, that's don't worry why about if you the- go out there with good intentions and you're trying to sell education rather mm. than just just a sexy body, you're gonna you're going to attract everyone who's mm. interested in your education. What you have to say. Yeah, but if they look, if they're showing skin, don't be offended by what they're promoting, and don't be offended by them influencing their audience because <laughs> their their audience is fifty five year old Kev who's just knocked off from mm-hmm. a shift on laying bricks and he's grabbing a couple of beers at the pub and he wants something for the spank bank for later. That's, that, 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 that's who their audience that they're influencing is and they're not buying oxy shred. So don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. It's funny though. Like- that's very, that's very specific. And that's come from a conversation. <laughs> Shout out to McKenzie Baker. That's from a conversation that I was having with Mac back the other week. That's that it just came back into my, my mind at that point in time. But one thing I have also found interesting is, you know how we're talking about um, people hiring coaches for reasons other than their skill sets. Yeah. I have had an influx of clients wanting me to coach them, not because of any skills or qualifications I have. That's kind of just a bonus that I actually have those, but purely because I've had a child. Because mm-hmm. I've had a child, I must know how to coach all of the mums out there because I've done the same thing, which I'm like, oh no, like that doesn't actually mean you're like qualified in the area just because one person's done it themselves. So mm. I found that interesting too. Yeah. I think, I think a big onus needs to be placed on responsibility of the person to sort of do mm. their due diligence, right? The client, yeah. the prospective member and student, like posting that stuff yesterday, I had people asking me, Oh, what's the difference and why are they a hobby course and yours isn't? And I was like, real simple. Like we submit for compliance. We have Institute insurance. Like I know how much these places charge for their programs. And I can tell you, and like, I know how much we have to pay for these things. Mm. And I can tell you right now at those price points, that's why they're illegitimate and they're hobby courses. So it's like a cereal box qualification because they don't submit for academic transcript and um, uh, academic subjects and the actual curriculum to be audited at a compliant level for certain institutes. And they don't have that level of cover. They're like literally a cereal box qualification. And it's like, that's why we're, and that's why we say, Hey, look, our program, if you do it great, you'll get this scope and you'll be able to actually like you're, you're eligible to actually register and then the other ones it's like no you can't but then that's why we've also got other institutes that we recognize and the other institutes and this is the body and the other institutes that we recognize they all tick those boxes like we don't have a problem with the ones that do that it's just mm. the ones that it's just the ones that don't do that and then masquerade 
as if it's like no different or it's like, well, technically yeah. the trademarks haven't gone through for sports nutritionists, like registered sports nutritionist is almost done and accredited sports nutritionist is done. So you can't say that, but technically you can still call yourself a sports nutritionist right now because of the law, it's like, if you're going with someone that's marketing based on a technicality, like that should yeah. be a red flag. And if you choose to go through with that, then that, that that's on you. Mm. You know what bothers me the most? Yes, no, bothers me the most is these organizations are telling people, yeah, you are covered. Like, yes, yes, yes. And they're giving them this guarantee that doesn't exist. And then you put yourself in, you know, the trainer's shoes that maybe you yeah. to the industry. They've got, well, this person's saying this, this person's saying this, like this person, like they're cheaper, their course looks good. And they're promising me, like, I have got that scope. Like who's telling the truth here? And mm. I think it is absolutely, I'm not going to use the word because I don't think I can swear in here, but like, terrible it is yeah. terrible yeah and pretty disgusting it is yeah. like they need to be held accountable like yeah oh, yeah i think look i think they eventually will and i think like this is where like you know like there's that there are there are certain groups that are petitioning for like federal reform in these areas and the, the, these the, these other i'm not even gonna say institutes because they don't even have those like they're not in, they're not institutes they're not like legitimately registered and um insured institutes um, you know, for that stuff, but um, like these institute, or the, you know, these, I guess, pretenders, um, they're completely unaware of sort of what's happening in the background and how these, like, look, I'm not going to say, Hey, you don't deserve to succeed. And Hey, you don't deserve to deserve to earn a living. But what I will say is, is like, if you're going to approach it this way in this context, then you absolutely shouldn't be succeeding in. And that's where I have a problem. Like you should be able to succeed through being completely transparent and honest. Mm. And so with with these with these other places because they're not and they they haven't done their due diligence and gone to the degree um of like gone to the extent of like compliance that they should be for this stuff they're completely ignorant and naive to the stuff happening in the background that it might take four years six years eight years but eventually there might be and there might be success with some of these groups to achieve this level of federal reform and then it's like no one apart from people with this body, this body, and this body, and ours is included at the moment, can actually engage with people in nutrition. Otherwise, it's a criminal offense. Mm. How good would that be, though? Just saying. <laughs> I hope it doesn't come to that point. I would like to believe in the good of people and like we can trust this stuff, but you know, maybe, maybe that's what we need. So, to segue to our final topic, who are the clients that you're working with? What do you look for in clients? Um, you know, and, and I guess anyone that wants to work with you, what should they expect if they want to engage with you and work with you? Well, personally, I, my ideal kind of client and like, I don't, I have ideal clients. I have, I have a range because not everybody is exactly where I would like them to be to begin with. But I feel like as a coach, I do more than just be like, here's your nutrition and training program. I'll talk to you once a week. So my ideal client is someone that's willing to invest time into themselves um, in an array of areas. So I'm, if you're wanting a coach to do a 12 week prep and throw you on stage, then I'm not the right coach for you because I, I won't do that. Um, I enjoy working with people that want to put the time into their off season. I enjoy people that are willing to invest time into pre-prep because they genuinely prioritize their health and having the best prep possible. So they're willing to invest that time so we can get their physique really competitive, their calories at a great caloric intake before we are actually going into that prep period. Um, I love working with clients. I'm just going to get this child because she wants to be part of this conversation. One sec. <laughs> All right. Okay. You can be a part of it. Um, I enjoy working with clients that grow throughout their prep, both physically, of course, because you are really pushing in your training, but I love the mental growth that I see through my clients. I see them become more confident. I see them really push outside their comfort zones and realize that their capabilities are so much further than the limitations they put on themselves and just 
watching them blossom, I suppose. Mm. Like I get a lot of um, fulfillment out of that. Not just, you know, how they place on stage is great, but <laughs> yes, their personal growth during the prep is probably my favorite part. So working with clients that do prioritize growth. Sweet. Tiara, you're up. Uh, so I love working with women who are very coachable and ultimately they just want to enhance their life through training and nutrition. They just want to be the healthiest and strongest and most confident version of themselves. And absolutely. I, during, throughout my career, I really want to specialize as a bodybuilding dietitian. I want to be the go-to female in Australia for comp prep. I really want to be on that level that I think like Brandon Kempton and Joey Cantlin are both on right now, but the female version of that. So that is my ultimate goal as a coach. But so just quickly, what is coachable to you? So you said coachable, let's yeah. break it down. Someone so, goes, I want to work with Tiara and she says mm-hmm. coachable. So coachable to me means that you are willing to learn and you're willing to listen, but you're also willing to ask questions and engage in discussions. I really like developing strong relationships with my clients. That's actually why I do video calls with my clients, every single one of my clients each week. And yes, it takes more time, but I want to invest more into them so that they can invest in themselves too, and really get the most out of the coaching experience. So I want to form a partnership with people rather than just be a dictator and tell them what to do. I really want them to be able to just learn and question things and, you know, ask, Hey, why are we doing this? And and learning more about themselves and developing their mindset rather than saying, Oh, well, I've always done it this way. So can we just keep doing it this way? It's like, well, that way hasn't really been working for you. So why don't we try something else, you know, or meet in a middle ground. So I think being coachable is certainly being comfortable with handing over the reins or at least sharing the reins and just staying open-minded and always being a student of the sport, always willing to learn, never thinking that you know absolutely everything. So I, I want to work with women who are want to have a long-term relationship with me, want to achieve some, some great goals in physique sports. And also... I I recognize that I'm still quite new to the coaching scene. I've been a coach for just over two years now and COVID has hijacked a little bit of that time, but it's actually been a blessing for me because it's very rare when you come on to the coaching scene as a brand new coach, you're not just going to get a client that falls into your lap. Who's already been resistance training for 10 years, you know, and they're pro potential and you can get them ready in 10 weeks. That's very, very rare. And if a client is like that, they're probably going to go to a more experienced coach, (laughs) but I've been very blessed these past few years because I've been able to take a solid group of women through just remarkable improvement seasons where they've really been able to develop their physiques, get their energy availability in a really good position, learn all of these lifestyle habits that regardless of whether they're competing in bodybuilding or not, they're going to continue to carry out these habits in terms of training, nutrition, just living a healthy lifestyle for the rest of their life. Uh, so that's been an absolute blessing for me because come 2022, I know that I'm going to have a lot of phenomenal athletes step on stage who definitely are pro potential and I want to win some championships and it's going to be a very, very exciting time. So those are the kind of clients that really stand out to me and the type of clients that I really want to help work with and just women who want to learn how to train with intelligence and train with intensity. Mm, that's awesome. So funny because that scenario you just gave my first client that I ever prepped was someone <laughs> Me too. went on, got their pro card, like, and I was like, Wow. It's hilarious. I, I coached this girl called Kate Meller. She was my first ever client and we only lost three kilograms during prep. And she took out yeah. the overall bikini championships at yeah. AWNBS. Like, but yeah. that is, that is so, so rare. And that's never yeah. happened to yeah, me. Mine since. was the same. I only lost a couple of kilos and took out a sports model pro card um, with INBA. And I was like, amazing. Like, <laughs> and it kind wild. of, but definitely yeah. the exception, not the rule. Definitely the, ex- <laughs> the exception. So just on that as well, Tiara, again, very humble. Um, she's, when she says she's been coaching, she's got two years experience. That's specifically in full-time physique prepping. Mm. Before then she was doing some stuff um, in like body comp anyway. You've probably yeah. got another an additional three to four years of fitness and then body comp 
consultation and client work as well yeah. on top of that. Yeah. yeah. So, I was working like 40 stop hours Stop selling yourself short, girls. Sell yourself <laughs> hard. I was going to okay? say, I'm no different in physique prep. Like, I feel like we're both definitely newer on the scene as far mm. as, you know, the comp prep coaches in Australia. But I don't know, newer or not, like I've started branching out. I've got some girls that I'm prepping at the moment in Texas and mm. some in Cali. So it's been really cool branching out um, overseas. It mm. does make the video calls a little bit more planning has to go into them with the mm -hmm. time differences, but yeah, it's definitely a really cool space. And I like that even overseas, there's people now that are coming across and are probably will for you as well, your profiles and being like your evidence-based. Yeah. Yeah. Jack and I are very fortunate to coach a number of people over in North America, in, mm. in the UK as well. Even some people like in Africa, in New Zealand, plenty in Australia. Yeah. So online coaching is incredible, but yeah, mm. I just, I can't reinforce enough that if you want to pursue a career, you have to be willing to do that groundwork. And why, why would you want the time to go by quickly? Right. Or why yeah. would you want it to come by? So, you know, just fast, like you want to have that experience. That's why I'm just so grateful for all those years that I was studying at uni and being able mm. to work as a PT and a nutritionist on the gym floor for like three years. I was like racking up 40 hours a week. Like it was quite wild, but that really gave me an incredible launching pad. Once then I was like, okay, I want to start my own business and stand on my own two feet and really take control of things. All of those years prior, I wouldn't be in this position now if it wasn't for those. So mm. nothing is ever going to trump just like diving in, getting some experience, learning yeah. some lessons. Some are tough. You know, you got to take them on the chin, but also leading this lifestyle yourself. I'm sure you'd say the exact same thing, Amanda. Like you've probably just learned so much yourself going through comp preps too. Yeah. Oh, well, and especially like you learn both good and bad. Mm. Um, oh my gosh. I'm just going to. That's all good. All right. We're, we're going to wrap up with one little recommendation. So recommendations for any girls who want to follow in your footsteps, um, and like a piece of advice that you could give them or a few recommendations that come to mind. And I guess before we get into that side of things, I will give an honorable shout out slash mention to there will be a third openly accredited, all this kind of stuff. And she's really close, which is Alicia Gowans. And she actually, she got, she's got one subject left of her graduate diploma. Then she's done that. And she's openly accredited. She's already done the prep, um, the practical prep program. And she's got a dietitian on staff. So Ali will be very soon, two will become three, but you're the presently the only two at the moment. Um, what's the, you know, what, I guess, what's the advice girls, if you could well, give a, a one, single piece or honest, piece. My inbox is always open. Um, I'm sure you're the same. If mm. there are people in the industry, or if you do have questions, I'm more than happy for people to message me and ask for ad advice um, or recommendations, but you know, upskilling in all of the areas. Um, obviously you need to be skilled in the actual areas you want to practice in so that you have scope, but even, you know, obviously having your own business, that doesn't teach you how to run a business. The amount of times that, you know, my business degree has come in handy on how to actually run a company. Um, although I'm not practicing exclusively in that and same as having my law degree, it's come in handy. So there's never although I've done this whole array of things, none of them have ever been a waste because I have still taken aspects and they've, you know, formed part of my career now. So don't ever look at any sort of thing as a waste or if you have, you know, studied something else and you're wanting to change directions, if that's where your passion is, change directions mm. because you might still use those skills that you've learned going forwards anyway. Yeah. And my best recommendation would just be surround yourself with, a really great quality group of mentors and just be willing to just always keep your mind open and learn and ask questions and seek out people who are doing things that you want to pursue in your own career. And, and it goes back to that saying like success leaves clues, like learn how to learn what other people are doing and try to mirror it and try to improve it. So I'd say just getting yourself a really good quality group of mentors, but also with everything that you're learning, right? Try to apply that to your own lifestyle too. And it's so important to actually 
practice what you preach as well. Because again, this, this industry is, it is so saturated, right? And I'm personally under the impression that you shouldn't be getting involved in the industry unless you really do truly have a love and a passion for it. And you truly do want to be pursuing it. So, you know, you, you basically wear your work, you are your work, you are your business. So uh, yeah, really just lead by example and be a leader yourself, but also learn from other leaders too. Well, I think what's that expression? If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The more, you know, the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, that was awesome. Thanks girls. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Alex. Yeah, this was really, really grateful for this opportunity. And uh, thanks for having us on. I love this podcast channel. Honestly, I listen to all your episodes. <laughs> thanks, Tiara. <laughs> and guys, remember, if you did like it, remember to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Alex, tag Sports Nutrition Australia, Sports Nutrition Association, tag Amanda, tag myself, tag TBD. Yeah, just- Yeah, uh, tag the girls. And honestly, just get behind the girls. Follow, honestly, all I can- my intention with this episode is just to put you both in the limelight, shine on your success, have a bit of fun and have a bit of banter between us as we do in all the episodes anyway. Um, but put you both in, you know, put you both under the light so that way people can see you and then get them following you for actual evidence informed female physique prep stuff to mm. know that you're really the only two go-to people at this stage in the country. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And great work. All right. See you guys.